This is Derek Bros. Derek Bros. Derek Bros. This is Derek Bros. The Conscious Resistance. I'm here in Standing Rock. That man is wanted in five different countries: Chile, Argentina, Brazil. We've been fighting a long time. We've all lost so very much. So many loved ones gone. fucking tease that horse! You are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. We've all stay alive. You have no idea how important. Hey everyone, this is Derek Bros with the Conscious Resistance Network, and this evening we are going to be talking about the ongoing investigation in Utah into ritualized child sexual abuse. This is the fourth video I've done in this series, and if you have not watched those previous videos, I encourage you to go back and watch them. This may or may not be the final video. I, I doubt it will be the final one, but uh, we're getting maybe close to the end, depending on where this investigation goes. Uh, we're going to talk about all that and more in my latest article on um, The Last American Vagabond. And one second. Well, now I got all that on the screen. And you guys are going to basically what we're going to focus on is the history of these allegations in Utah of ritualized child sexual abuse. As I said, I've done three videos previously and I've done three articles now for The Last American Vagabond uh, focusing on this investigation which those of you who've been following will recall was announced on May 31st by the Utah County Sheriff's Department. The Utah County Sheriff's Department, um, Sheriff Mike Smith, announced that uh, they were investigating, again, claims of ritualized child sexual abuse. Those are their words, not mine. And that set off this entire thing that's been going on for just about a month now, four weeks. And what we have is a lot of local politics. I'm not going to rehash what I've done in the previous videos. Like I said, we're going to focus on the history. But what we do have is tomorrow, Tuesday, June 28th, is the election day, the primary uh, voting day for Utah. And so both the sheriff who announced the investigation and the county attorney, David Levitt, who you know put himself in the investigation by saying, hey, I'm not a cannibal, um, and my wife and I are not murderers, they are both up for re-election and that's happening tomorrow. So depending on whether they stay in office, I guess that'll shape the future of this uh, election. I mean, of this investigation. But I truly do hope, as I've said before, that this is not a politically motivated act. And even if it is partially politically motivated, which is fine, that happens in politics, I guess. I hope that it's not only politically motivated. And what I mean by that is the county attorney, David Levitt, says... He is listed in some of these police documents which have accusations of ritualized child sexual abuse involving claims of Satan worship and Luciferian worship and murder and wearing people's skin and rape and torture and all kinds of really disturbing things um, in Utah in three different counties in a ritualized way with groups of people. Um, you know, these claims are, are out there and... It, what we're being told by one person who is potentially implicated in this investigation, David Levitt, is that this is all politically motivated and that the sheriff is just coming after him and releasing this investigation, the timing because of this upcoming election. The sheriff said they've been investigating this since April 2021, uh, but here we are. The election is tomorrow, and like I said, hopefully we won't come to find out that the whole investigation disappears as soon as the election ends. 
Needless to say, please bookmark theconsciousresistance.com. That's where you can find all of my content, everything I've done over the years, documentaries, books, essays, articles, interviews, podcasts, etc. And if you click on the latest post, Utah County Ritualized Sexual Abuse Update number three, History. This is the video we're covering today, and you can see all the sources for what I'm going to cover in the next uh, little bit here. Um, also, I want to encourage you guys to follow my work on um, the lastamericanvagabond.com. You go to the lastamericanvagabond.com, and if you see here at the top, for those who are watching the screen, you'll see Bros series. That's for myself, and you can click scroll down to see the Utah sexual abuse investigation, and we have all three of my parts there. We're going to cover the history, which will be coming out of the third part of this investigation. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight uh, in this video. I do want to warn anybody, uh, I should have got some water. I, I want to warn anybody who is sensitive to these topics that some of the stuff I'm going to say, and I'm not really going to get into the most gruesome stuff. I don't necessarily know that it's worth getting into every single bit of it. I've put the documents out. They're in my articles. They're linked. Uh, if you want to download these and if you want to you know, get into this whole report, but essentially guys, what we're doing, what we're focused on is that again, the Utah County Sheriff Mike Smith announced on May 31st that they're investigating ritualized child sexual abuse in three different counties in Utah taking place between 1990 and 2010. And it's set off this whole storm of investigation. They've since come out now and said that they've had people reach out to them. And that's what we're going to start with is first a little bit of update on the Utah case before we get into the history. Um, I found out um, through my own work and then some reporting from the Salt Lake Tribune that uh, there's been more than 120 tips in the form of phone calls, texts, and emails from the public since the sheriff's office announced this investigation. That's according to Sergeant Spencer Cannon, who is the uh, public information uh, officer. I've been communicating with him as well throughout this investigation and trying to get accurate information and, and get direct quotes, you know, doing some journalism. So we've been following this case the entire time. But I think, look, again, whether or not it's a politically motivated thing at this point, the police themselves are saying they've gotten more than 120 tips. So if after the election passes, if they just drop the ball and do nothing, then there's clearly a cause for people to to be pissed off and to try to raise hell and say, hey, guys, what about all those 120 tips? Those were all just BS. None of those panned out. None of those turned out. You know, did you even have time to investigate them? I think there's clearly something to this. And if it disappears, then it'll be like so many other stories before, like the Finders, the Franklin scandal, um, and even in some ways Epstein, because even though Epstein went mainstream, we know that we didn't get the full true extent of the story into the average person's mind, which is that Jeffrey Epstein is working for intelligence agencies. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of one of the latest updates is that there's 120 tips that have come in to this investigation. And, um, yeah, I've also shown that David Levitt was, um, you know, was lying about this. And the, the documents that I provided are related to a case, uh, accusations against therapist David Lee Hamblin. And I am saying his name, even though the local Utah media won't say his name. He is accused of things. There are allegations against him, but I'm not here to say he is guilty of those things. I don't have that evidence, but there is quite a bit of victim statements, eight different victim statements, one of them going on for hundreds of pages describing over 118 different incidents involving some powerful, well-known Utahns out there. So, yeah. 
there's a lot going on with that. And as I said, the primary election is tomorrow, the 28th, and we'll see what happens. We'll see if there's any more announcements or if anything does come out of this. But in the meantime, what I want to focus on and what I decided to do for this third part of my investigation, which, by the way, there's going to be four parts of that. I'll tell you guys more about that in just a few. Um, we're going to talk about the history. We're going to talk about the history of accusations of ritualized child sex abuse. And now I want to make this clear like that. And I, I think I do in this article that ritualized child sexual abuse doesn't always necessarily entail or mean satanic in the sense of I think a lot of people imagine or want to in their mind. That doesn't mean that type of thing doesn't exist. I believe it does exist. I think there's evidence for that. But I do think a lot of times these cases, which might be taken more seriously if they weren't labeled satanic and then dismissed as QAnon, like, for example, the county attorney who is who has lied about this, David Levitt, and who has tried to dismiss the case as, uh, you know, BS and unbelievable and untenable and said it came from a, quote, tragically mentally ill woman. Um he, he's he's even labeled the sheriff a QAnon sheriff. So that's the kind of thing is they want these cases which might be real to throw in some elements that might make them sound crazy to the average person. Now, I believe that the so-called satanic panic, and I think the evidence shows more, more importantly than what I believe, the evidence shows that the so-called satanic panic was not a satanic panic of, of at all, but was in fact a, uh, you know, there were ritualized elements going on of, of abuse taking place in the United States states and, and elsewhere. Um, searching on my website, theconsciousresistance.com right now, if you go there and search Satanic Panic, you can see an interview I did a couple of years back in 2020, The Truth About the Satanic Panic with author John Brisson, who's a friend of mine who's um, just uh, done a lot of great work in this area. He's also one of the other researchers in the, when it comes to the finders. You can find that on theconsciousresistance.com, The Truth About the Satanic Panic. So this idea that every case that you hear about that happened in the 80s or the 90s and 70s um, were just false memory syndrome or that the kids made it up or there was just people's wild imagination or it was just the Christian morals of the United States that got the better of them. And so they thought they were seeing boogeyman everywhere or, you know, it's, it's the evolution of stranger danger to satanic panic. I've read a lot of these different uh, intellectual sort of discussions around why the satanic panic happened. I think some of them are bullshit. Some of them might be, you know, realistic reasons, but it's not all fake. It wasn't all panic, let's say, right? There were, there was truth to the accusations of cults and ritual abuse taking place in the United States and other places that was being exposed in the 80s and the 90s. And things like the Franklin scandal and the finders and some other examples are a part of that. And things like Jeffrey Epstein and Jimmy Seville and, uh, you know, the, the, all the high profile people, that's a part of it. Right. But I think we need to be careful to not dismiss. And I've seen this in, in my own research, learning about human trafficking, sex trafficking, um, you know, this this abuse taking place to children and to anybody that sometimes people get obsessive over this element that is it satanic is it does it involve celebrities and high profile people oh if it doesn't ah whatever who cares that's just standard run-of-the-mill sex trafficking child trafficking child abuse i don't care about that i only care about if it's salacious and if it's something that's going to go viral on the internet right i think we need to get past that mentality and if you really care about this and as i do it's the only reason i write about this stuff because it's not fun to, to research at all to be knee deep in this stuff i don't enjoy it the only reason i focus on it is because the victims 
the alleged victims, the apparent victims, the people who are claiming these things, their voices need to be heard and there should be investigations into these things, right? So whether or not it's salacious, even if it doesn't always involve satanic, Luciferian rituals or whatever, it can still be ritualized, as in some of the cases here show that people often might take beliefs like Christianity or Mormonism and then adapt them in different ways to suit their own needs, their own cultish, evil, whatever needs, right? So I just wanted to make that clear that just because it's not necessarily every case is a quote unquote satanic thing where there's some satanic ritual, like a lot of people want to believe, you know, they get sucked into focusing on things like adrenochrome and dead babies. Now, look, I will say in the victim statement, there are some accusations of that, not adrenochrome, but of like killing babies, killing people, cutting them open, wearing their skin, taking the power from the people by wearing their skin, like some real Texas Chainsaw Massacre type stuff, like keep you up at night type stuff. Somebody either has a very creative imagination or some fucked up shit is happening out there. And um, I think it's a little bit of both, maybe. So let's get into this. Excuse my language if there's any kids in the room. Why are the kids in the room? We're talking about child sexual abuse. Get the kids out of the room. In March 1990, the Utah Governor's Commission for Women and Families created the Utah Task Force on Ritual Abuse to investigate a rise in claims of ritualized sexual abuse of children. So I get that. We're talking about abuse taking place in 2022 or an investigation that started in 2021. We we're told by the police, the sheriff's office, this started in April, 2021. They're looking at claims of abuse from 1990 to 2010, right? So that's another point about the whole satanic panic thing. Even if you imagine it was all satanic panic in the seventies and eighties, and that was just debunked, you know, false memory syndrome. Well, there's still a lot of claims happening in the post, you know, quote unquote, satanic panic era. So I don't know how you just explain that all off. Is it still just false memory syndrome? Is it still just Whatever. So in 1990, though, it became so loud that the Utah Governor's Commission for Women and Families, so that was a pre-existing institution already, they created a specific task force, a task force on ritual abuse, which was specifically to investigate claims of ritual sexual abuse against kids and to educate the public and professionals about this issue. Now, as any of these sort of things, these sort of investigative um, units or groups they're, it's important history, but they definitely are controversial. Uh, I definitely will say that. So, for example, the task force was co-chaired by psychologist Noemi Mattis. I don't know if she's related to the current Mattis and power, but could be something there. She was a believer in the idea that alleged victims can, quote, recover their memories of abuse over time. So this woman was like a true believer. She's like, this is happening. This satanic abuse is happening all over the, the world and all over the United States. And we need to, uh, you know, we need to to get ahead of this and we need to report on this and expose it. And so this was later criticized because people were like, she's, she's nuts, right? Like essentially they tried to, to go after her credibility and say that she didn't have the credibility to really make these judgments about whether or not it was as widespread as she claimed. Still, nonetheless, it is some history that took place in Utah. And I think it, you know, it's worth knowing about. So in 1992, two years after they were created, the task force issued the report called the, the Report of Utah State Task Force on Ritual Abuse. And I did find the original reports. You can read them yourself. Concluding that ritual abuse was occurring in Utah. The report described what it called, quote, generational cults operating in secret, sometimes using the cover of traditional religious organizations and practices. Here's one quote from the, um, the report. Some scholars are convinced that such groups have existed for centuries. Their abusive cult activities may coexist side by side with traditional worship. That is, members may publicly practice an established respected religion. The members are often well-known and respected within their larger communities. 
And whenever they, the, the uh, woman, the psychologist who was the co-chair, Noemi Mattis, was questioned about the lack of corroborative evidence, because that's the thing, is whether or not you believe her, this particular report from Utah in 1992, the thing is, these claims are very hard to prove. You know, if somebody is going to get abused by somebody in this dark, ritualistic way, and apparently there's, you know, the consistent thing I'm getting from people like you who are emailing me and sharing your stories to the stories I'm reading in these other victim statements and from things like the finders and other cases, there does often seem to be some element of hypnosis or mind play, mind games um, going on, right? So uh, I think we can't discount that aspect of it. So people's memories aren't always the clearest. Maybe they don't come back till later and they recover them, right? Uh, and by that point, it can be difficult to prove things, right? So if they're investigating ritualized sexual abuse that took place back in 1990, how do you even prove that, right? It, that's going to be very difficult to prove. So um, this is what the woman said, quote, very difficult to prove in any cases in a court of law, which will involve ritual abuse, simply because because the people who are involved with it have real expertise at hiding their tracks. So that's her claim. And the task force report also made recommendations, and they basically called on the state of Utah to put out $250,000 to the attorney general's office to hire four investigators for one year to do an even deeper investigation, right? So they're saying like, not even just through the task force that they had, the Utah governor's commission, they said, let's start another task force through the attorney general, which is I think the highest law enforcement office in the state. And uh, they would eventually do this. They would only hire two investigators though. And that takes us to this investigation of what is known as the Zion Society cult. And I didn't know about this guys until I started doing this research. Um, so again, this first task force from 1990 to 1992, the Utah Task Force on Ritual Abuse was created in 1990. In 1992, they issued their report. And they say that there is widespread ritualized abuse uh, people doing this in secret, cult groups and that are good at hiding their tracks, but they don't have a lot of evidence. They recommend the state allocate $250,000 to hire four investigators in the attorney general's office. Then what happens is the attorney general, he turns around and uh, my camera froze. He turns around and he, he does hire two investigators and they do begin an investigation into this whole thing. So, you know, the, I will say there was some action that took place around this. Like they didn't totally drop the ball when it came to investigating this ritualized sexual abuse here, in the, at least in this one incident. Now, that doesn't mean I think they are totally off the hook for um, everything else to come. But at least in this instant, instance, they did, Utah did hire investigators to investigate ritualized child sexual abuse. So they did that two times, first with the... Um, Task Force on Ritual Abuse, and then now after that. So let's get into the Zion Society cult, because that'll sort of set the stage for the upcoming investigation by the Utah State. One of the investigators that was hired by the Utah Attorney General's office was Mike King. However, prior to his role in the AG investigation, King cut his teeth tracking down the Zion Society cult. And this is actually a really interesting story. If you can go out there, there's a podcast, I think I linked to it, just called The Cold Podcast, and they actually interviewed Mike King, this uh, investigator with the Utah Attorney General's office. So in 91, while the Utah ritual, the Utah Task Force on Ritual Abuse is doing their investigation, Mike King is investigating uh, in 1990 and 91, he's investigating this Zion Society cult. 
So in 91, Arvind Shreve of Ogden, Utah, and 10 members of the Zion Society were arrested as part of a sex ring involving, you name it, ritualized sexual abuse. At the time, Mike King was working as an investigator for the Weber County Attorney's Office, and he was approached by a woman who claimed she had been involved in a cult that was sexually abusing children. So the woman told King she was running away from a bad marriage when she became involved with the group's leader, a man named Arvin Shreve, who had developed a group of followers. Shreve told his followers he knew how to help them achieve happiness in the afterlife. His instructions often involved lesbian relationships and sexual abuse. Like, I mean, it's just kind of a classic cult behavior where this guy's like, yeah, I'm going to lead you to the he to heaven, but you guys all got to have sex with each other and let me watch. Like, that's uh, how it goes around here. And uh, unfortunately, I think he was successful at this and did abuse um, a number of women. And then eventually it got to abusing the kids. And uh, that's basically what happened in this case. And so Mike King is investigating this, this, this uh, investigator for the Utah uh, government. He's investigating the Zion Society. And he says that it was ritual abuse, but it wasn't satanic or occult. He said, quote, ritual abuse is happening. I don't believe ritual abuse means satanic abuse. And that was kind of the point I was making earlier. It could and it can and it does in some cases, but it doesn't necessarily always. And we shouldn't discount just because it doesn't you know, have that. I guess what some people will see is flashy. Oh, my God, it's satanic. Like, well, maybe it's not necessarily satanic, but it's something fucked up. So. And it's and it's wrong and it's forced on people. You know, you're allowed to practice and believe whatever you want. Uh, that's the beauty of freedom of, you know, religious belief. But uh, the moment you try to force that on people and use violence and do dirty, nasty, messed up things, then we're going in a whole new territory. Right. So Mike King is involved in that investigation of the Zion Society cult. Meanwhile, like I said, the task force recommended that the Utah Attorney General's office hire investigators. Well, they hired Mike King. And another guy named Mark Jacobson. So Mike King is the one who investigates uh, the Zion Society cult. And now they were called to do another investigation. And for three years this time, they investigated these claims. Uh, two and a half year investigation, excuse me. And it was concluded in late February 1995. But it's interesting because I found this article that shows that there's a poll from 1992 that shows, you know, it's a small poll of like local area in um Utah, but it was still interesting. It's like a time capsule of the time that 90% of the people alive then in that area believe that there were satanic abuse happening in their community and that that was a real thing. So I don't think we can just discount that. I mean, you could say it's crazy, you know, backwoods Utah people if you want. I don't think it's that easy to just claim that and, uh, and just dismiss it like that. I think there's more to it. Well, what did they find, right? The Utah Attorney General's office does a two, two and a half year investigation and Mike King, this guy, he's got credibility. He investigated the Zion Society cult. He's not just, you know, somebody who you would assume is going to try to uh, dismiss or discredit the claims because he apparently actually has seen ritual abuse. So I think this has all the makings of a realistic investigation. They met with hundreds of citizens who claim to be victims of satanic, religious, physical, or sexually motivated ritual crimes. King and his partners summarized their findings in a 1995 report called Ritual Crime in the State of Utah, Investigation, Analysis, and a Look Forward. And they wrote, quote, allegations of organized Satanists, even groups of Satanists who have permeated every level of government and religion were unsubstantiated. King did conclude that it is possible there were isolated instances of child sex abusers using satanic or occult imagery to scare victims into silence. The investigators concluded 
quote, Utah police officers and their departments have dedicated thousands of hours as they followed up on allegations, searched hillsides for ritual sites, stalked out potential ceremonies, etc. Their combined efforts were unable to uncover any physical evidence to support the claims of the existence of organized cults. Evidence has been uncovered. Now, this is an interesting part, right? Because so far, they're pretty much giving us this message of like, hey, there's nothing to see here. Like, you know, they, we didn't find evidence. Uh, this is, you know, exaggerated. You know, only people who maybe use it are, you know, abusers who are trying to scare their, um, you know, their uh, their victims. So that that's kind of the the, the first first way they're approaching it. But then you got this statement, which almost seems to contradict it. Evidence has been uncovered to support the thought that individuals have in the past and are now committing crime in the name of Satan or other deity. The allegations of organized Satanists, even groups of Satanists who have permeated every level of government and religion were unsubstantiated. So on one hand, they're like, yes, there has been evidence of people committing crimes in the name of Satan and other gods, other deities, but there's no organized you know, thing happening. Clearly, crimes involving sexual and physical abuse are occurring. Evidence in the state supports the notion that ritual crime can exist, even on a large scale, as in the Zion Society case in Ogden. Police agencies from across the state have the burden of evaluating and investigating all allegations that come to their attention. There is absolutely no evidence to support that any police agency is refusing to investigate allegations of ritual crime when those allegations involve criminal activity. So, you know, one way to interpret that, as I'm sure maybe some of you might be feeling, is like, yeah, right, BS, the cops are covering it up. Like, why would they, you know, they did a two and a half year investigation, and they found no evidence of ritualized sexual abuse. We all know that's happening. Come on, how could they not? Um, I don't know. Maybe it is more, maybe we're more inclined to believe it than uh, we might like to believe. Maybe the evidence for specifically satanic as you know people want to term that as in like a specific worship of the deity the god whatever the angel fallen angel satan maybe that is less common than people might want to believe uh maybe it's not maybe it is more common i'll leave that to you but i think at least in this case it's like the cops are admitting that there is evidence of people using the term satanic and luciferian and claiming to have different rituals and beliefs but they don't necessarily think it's happening in an organized way. Now, now, don't leave yet and say, oh, Derek, you're a shill. You fell for it. They're, you know, it's a cover-up and you're falling for it. Let's finish this article. There's a little bit more here that I ask, and then I'm going to preview to you guys what we're going to do in the fourth video and my fourth, uh, excuse me, the fifth video, my fourth article, which will be coming out later this week on The Last American Vagabond uh, about this whole topic. So let's look into this last little part here. What I call the satanic panic or something more. So unfortunately, the research around these and other historical investigations into ritualized or satanic child sexual abuse is often rife with biases. Those who wholeheartedly believe these accounts are factual tend to dismiss any evidence to the contrary. Those who think it all sounds too outlandish or insane often focus on claims of false memories and the alleged, again, moral panic of the 1980s. So that is what I was outlining a few minutes earlier about like how that whole thing, people just try to dismiss everything about that. However, the Jeffrey Epstein saga, as well as my work on the finders cult show that these type of organized sexual rings do exist. Whether or not there is an occult or ritualistic element is often harder to prove and perhaps even a distraction from the very real abuse of children that is happening. This is, a, this is of course, not to say that ritualistic abuse does not happen and that accounts of such abuse should be ignored. Because although the Utah 
sexual abuse investigations of the 1990s are often dismissed as the satanic panic, I found an article from 1991 titled Tales Are Bizarre But True, Deputy Says, which raises important and disturbing questions. This is what the article says from 1992, again, titled Tales Are Bizarre But True, Deputy Says. And who is that deputy? Dennis Howard of the Utah County Sheriff's Department. Quote, he took 42 reports alleging ritualistic animal or child abuse in 1989. Victims will tell you stories that are so bizarre it's difficult to believe them, says Howard, but I have no trouble believing it. It's happening in Utah County and in every other county of the state. And that's a pretty big claim. It goes on to say he says he is uncomfortable with the child sexual abuse laws because people can be put in prison even if there's no physical evidence of the crime. He also says he can name people. This is the important part. He can name the people who are guilty of ritualistic crimes, but, quote, I can't touch them. They are too good at what they do, and they learn from court testimony in other cases about how to get away with their crimes. So he says he knows the names of the people. If Deputy Howard elaborated on this claim that he can name the guilty parties, they didn't report it. However, I found him. I did find this Deputy Howard of the Utah County off the uh, Sheriff's Department. He actually went on to be a mayor in a small town in Utah. I can't remember how small. I can't remember the name at the top of my head, but I found him and uh, I'm trying to get a statement from him to say, hey, you know, Mr. Howard, do you recall saying you can name people in Utah who are involved in ritualized child sexual abuse? And would you like to name them even potentially off the record? I would love to help expose these people. So we'll let you know if he um, if he responds, because the other thing is he goes on to say that he believes transgenerational satanic groups are operating in Utah and are very well organized. This is, again, from this same Deputy Howard that I'm trying to get a comment from. Quote, these people are very mobile and have the ability to pack up and set up anywhere. I don't care which deity they claim to worship. They are into this ritualistic crime to satisfy their own psychological needs. So. The history of these allegations of ritualized sexual abuse doesn't end in the 90s because, as I mentioned, the original case we're talking about involves accusations in 2012. There's this case in 2021, and there's people reporting over 120 tips through emails, phone calls, and texts to the Utah County Sheriff's Office saying they have more information about ritual sexual abuse going on in Utah. So where is this going to go? I don't know, guys. Tomorrow's the primary. Will it all disappear? Will both men be voted out of office and, uh, you know, nothing happens? Or will they stay in office and nothing happens? Or will there actually be an investigation? I hope it doesn't die down. And I'm going to do my best to keep talking about this story. Uh, because clearly the claims of being, of cults being involved in this ritual sexual abuse of children has not ended. And for my fourth and probably, potentially, maybe, final investigation in this series, I'm going to focus on the elephant in the room which is the fact that many, if not most of these people are part of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a.k.a. the Mormon Church, and that there are also accusations of ritual sexual abuse going on in the past and in the present in the Mormon Church. And we're going to talk about that in my fourth investigation. So please stay tuned for that. That'll be published later this week at thelastamericanvagabond.com. And again, you can go to the top of The Last American Vagabond, look up Bro's series, and you can see all my series uh, of investigations, including the Utah Ritualized Sexual Abuse investigation uh, for yourself. And uh, I remind you guys to go to theconsciousresistance.com. If you want to check out the previous videos I've done on this, you can see the sources for everything I covered today, the previous videos, previous articles, and you can go check out that interview with John Brissom about the satanic panic if you want to get caught up on that. Or if you've never heard of me talk about the finders and you're not familiar with that, you can go get caught up on that as well. We have all that and so much more 
on theconsciousresistance.com. So thank you guys so much for being with me tonight. I appreciate your time. I know this is not a pleasant topic. It's not something I really enjoy talking about. I, I like to investigate, sure, but these are dark, disturbing things and there's no easy, quick fix. There's no real simple solution other than to shine a light into this darkness. So I appreciate you paying attention and I appreciate you listening. And please share this information with your friends and family because this investigation, this is not some conspiracy theory. This is happening right now in the United States. There's an investigation by a sheriff's office publicly announced. Why is it not being talked about more? Because we're dismissing, people are dismissing it as QAnon, fake news, etc. Well, there could be more than that. I think there is more than that. So please stay tuned and I'll show you guys what I find. Uh, until next time, guys, thank you so much for being with me. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for more videos this week. Remember, you're powerful, you're beautiful, and you are free. Peace. Since 2012, the Conscious Resistance Network has been an independent media organization focused on empowering individuals through education, philosophy, health, and community organizing. We work to create a world where corporate and state power do not rule over the lives of free human beings. Our motto is leading by example and helping others in their pursuit of freedom. Visit theconsciousresistance.com to find our articles, documentaries, interviews, podcasts, books, and more. Remember, you are powerful, you are beautiful, and you are free.